This episode of the Expat Cast is brought to you by Comfort Eats. Comfort Eats ships American snacks to expats living all around the world to provide a sense of comfort and joy. After interviewing one of the founders, Raina, for the show, we got to talking about our mutual love of snacks. And after we were done recording, I immediately hopped online and placed an order. Within a day, that order was shipping. And now I'm happy to say that it arrived at my apartment within two weeks, which is pretty incredible. And I have to say, most of that time was my package sitting around in Leipzig because my order was actually shipped all the way over the ocean within like two to three days. And then clearing customs and getting it all together on the German side took a little bit longer. But still, to go from placing an order to having it in my hands in two weeks is, in my book, not bad at all because I actually had a friend ship me a care package for Christmas. It took six weeks to get here. I got the package mid-January, so not even in time for Christmas. So I really appreciate that with Comfort Eats, they're really on it with getting the shipments there in a timely fashion. And what's nice is you don't have to worry about customs fees. It's just the shipping rate and then it's off on its way to you. So if you would also like to have your life improved by the presence of Cheeto Puffs or whatever your favorite snack is, go ahead and visit ComfortEatsDelivery.com. Time for me to go dive on into my Cheeto Puffs. I am so excited. Welcome to the Expat Cast. This is the podcast where expats share their stories about fitting in, standing out, and every mishap on the journey to finding home abroad. I'm your host, Nicole. Before we dive into today's episode, I have a quick plug, and that is for Expats and Spouses Monitor. You may have heard of them. I hope you have. They are doing some really, really cool work, specifically a research project centering on expats, and it's actually by expats. So the team behind Expat and Spouses Monitor is comprised of expats based in Dusseldorf, Germany, and they noticed how difficult it can be for the partners of expats and other people who move without having work lined up. They found that people who move for work tend to have a much easier time and much less of an emotional crisis with integrating into their new country, whereas expats who are staying home and don't have this career going for them and don't have work, at least not in the traditional sense of that word, they tend to struggle a lot more. So they put together a survey where they can collect data about all sorts of expats, so both expats who moved for work as well as expats who moved without work. The survey covers things like how easy it was to integrate into Germany, are men and women equally satisfied? with their careers? Is it easy or hard to become an expat entrepreneur? And is Germany a family-friendly country to live in? So a lot of really, really interesting topics. I, I went ahead and took the survey myself and I thought it was really fun. I, I don't really know that I typically think of surveys as fun, but it was fun and interesting, gave me a lot to reflect on. And I actually got to talk with some of the team behind the survey. And I know that they are going to use this data very effectively. They plan to look at what the data tells them about the situation for different expats and then use that information to go directly to companies to try to encourage them to make better use of the international workforce that is already in Germany. So it's really practical, applicable stuff that they're planning on doing. They just need the data to get there. So you guys can go ahead and take the survey yourself. They estimate about 20 minutes. I think it took me a bit less than that, maybe closer to 10 or 15. And you can find it by visiting expatsmonitor.de. I'll also link to it in the show notes. Quick caveat for my listeners, this is a survey that's based on life in Germany. So if you're not located in Germany, 
then this is unfortunately not for you. But anyone who is located in Germany, please go ahead and participate in that survey. The more people that do it, and especially people living in different parts of Germany, that's going to give a much better data set for them to do this good work with. Now, that actually transitions pretty nicely to today's episode, which is with someone who I saw on Instagram and thought, wow, who is this incredible expat woman entrepreneur doing such great projects? And that's Tanya, who you may know as Swahili Secrets or African Abroad Blog. That's how I found her, and I wanted to reach out to her just to talk to her personally and also to get her onto the show. I told her I was so impressed by how she's such an entrepreneur, and what I found so interesting is that she wasn't so sure about being called an entrepreneur. She wasn't so confident that that label fit to her. I thought that was so interesting, so we got into that in the interview, as well as how Tanya, who's from Kenya originally, but has lived in nine different countries, four of which were before the age of 13, how she identifies and how this long list of countries is impacting her decisions moving forward. It's a really fun conversation with a really impressive lady, so let's get right to it. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. My name is Tanya, and I'm from Kenya. I was born in Kenya, but actually I moved around quite a bit, mostly in African countries. Somehow I ended up in Germany, and I've moved around a few cities in Germany, actually, and I'm in Frankfurt at this very moment. Okay, cool. And how long have you been in Frankfurt? Uh, since January, so just before before lockdown. Okay, wow. How has that been? <laughs> you know what? I wasn't able to uh, see much of Frankfurt, to be honest, or like experience it, rather. I did still go out for walks and stuff, but I wasn't able to get the actual vibe. But it's been okay. I mean, I came here and I'm, I'm quite the introvert, so I stayed indoors. <laughs> <laughs> you know the first year anywhere is so hard anyway that it's it like okay well if you spend most of it doing your own thing in your apartment that's not so bad yeah that's true especially also because I was trying to uh decorate I, I get a lot of excitement from redecorating each place I moved to so that was that kept me busy when you move around within Germany did you keep a lot of your things oh my goodness I definitely try to um and not not necessarily furniture though but a lot of the decoration, because I bring a lot of stuff from Kenya. So I like to keep a lot of that. And it piles up. Every time I go home, I just end up bringing lots of stuff, like even a lampshade, for example, or carpets. <laughs> oh, that's so cool, though, because it's exactly those little touches that make it feel like home. Yeah, it's true. I've done the silly thing. I've always prioritized bringing back clothes and books which are not really things I need to have. And I'm learning over time to do exactly what you're saying, which is bring these more like practical everyday things that are going to make you feel and see that connection to your home. No, but I, I know what you mean. I Actually, funny enough, last time I went home, my mom was like, oh, remember all the clothes you had? I um, gave them away. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? She's like, you know, you're hardly home anyway. And there's people who could use it. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't have that advantage, I guess. <laughs> well, hopefully, I would think the clothes you really love you took with you. Oh, yeah, I did. Yes, <laughs> I did. I did. Um, so I'm curious, where else did you live within Germany? So I was in Cologne. That was actually the first city that I moved to. And then I went to Dusseldorf, which is just the neighboring city to Cologne. And then here in Frankfurt. Where other than Kenya have you lived in your whole life? Because I think you said earlier you moved around a lot of, when you were a kid as well, yeah? Yes. Oh my gosh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so yeah, so I was uh, born in Kenya, and then not long after, uh, this was mainly because of my dad's work. We moved to Uganda, which is a neighboring country to Kenya. He got a new job in Botswana, which is southern Africa, so we moved there. When we were there, he actually was missing his home country. My dad is actually English, so we moved to the UK. And then from there, while we were in the UK, actually, my dad is probably the most pro-expat ever. <laughs> he was just like, hey, uh, Tanya, where would you like to go next? I was probably like 13 years old at the time. Wow. And I was like, yeah, I know, right? And he was like, uh, would you like to go to Kenya or Uganda? I guess he had two opportunities in either country. And because I was born in Kenya, I was like, you know what? Kenya. I just said Kenya. And then within two weeks, we went back to Kenya. Wow. I know. And I hadn't really experienced Kenya because we moved at, when I was really young. Yeah, so then we went back to Kenya. I went to school in South Africa, university, and before that, actually boarding school. While I was in South Africa, I know, I feel like I'm just listing so many places. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, while I was in South Africa, I also worked with an internship in Thailand and Zanzibar. And then I decided to pursue my further studies. So I did that actually in Austria. That was my first time coming to Europe after I had been to the UK. So I came to Austria and then made my way to Germany. Okay, that is a long list. <laughs> yeah, I feel so. Sometimes I, I get confused myself and I feel exhausted and I'm like, am I even saying it right? I'm lost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm impressed. You can still keep it all straight in your mind because I know yes. at a certain point it just becomes jumbled. <laughs> it really does, yes. That's interesting though. So what effect does that have on you now that you're an adult? Like most of those moves were when you were younger. Are you feeling like you want to keep that up? Or are you feeling more like, oh gosh, give me stability? You know, funny enough, the other day I was thinking or reflecting about myself and I realized from moving so much and changing different schools, you know, I'm actually a very shy person. And the reason for that, I think, is because I wasn't able to like open up to people so easily because, we, you know, we would just get up and go again. Right. But uh, definitely I'd love stability now. However, I feel like I've been bitten by the bug. So I don't think there will be stability. <laughs> well, I feel like it's one of two extremes. Like I've, I've known a couple other people who have really long lists of places they've lived. And especially when it was your childhood, I feel like that either gives you the strong impulse to root yourself down and never, ever move or have that bite and you just can't, you can't stop. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'm, I'm not really sure what will happen. I mean, I'm open to moving again, having moved already so much, but I would like to kind of slow it down the older I get, of course. What's so interesting about you is you really exude a sense of place, to me at least. So I, you know, I found you on Instagram and became pretty quickly enamored by all of your different projects. And you talk so much about being from Kenya and the things you miss about Kenyan culture. And yes. you do such a good job of bringing that with you, not just in the form of lampshades, but <laughs> <laughs> into your presence, at least online. And I think that's so admirable. It's something I really struggle with myself is finding the right balance of maintaining my old identity while still uh, embracing where I am. So yeah, I'd love to hear you talk maybe a little bit about what is your online presence that I'm referencing here mm -hmm. and how your connection to Kenya comes through in that. Actually, it took a lot of work to get to this point because since I moved around so much, I felt like I would adapt so easily to the places and I wouldn't really, yeah, I would just kind of like form into the country and the people and I kind of forgot where I came from. This happened every so often. 
And when I came to Germany, I kind of, I don't want to say a really bad depression, but I kind of hit a depression because I kind of felt like I lost myself or I didn't understand myself or I was just in a phase where I was lost. And that's when I decided to kind of like embrace my heritage and keep it close to me so that I do feel a sense that I'm grounded or, you know, that I'm still connected to home that I love so dearly. So that's kind of how I ended up creating these Instagram pages. Um, also, one of my bigger ones, it's called Swahili Secrets. Swahili is actually the national language for Kenya. And yeah, so basically, I just would always preach about travel to Kenya, the culture about Kenya, the food of Kenya. And that's how I also ended up bringing all the lampshades and everything also to <laughs> Germany from Kenya, because I just wanted to embrace it so much so that I don't fall back into being in a dark place, let's say. Well, it's so fitting that you refer to it as falling into a dark place because your page is so bright right. and colorful. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that you share is um, African fabrics or Kenyan fabrics. Yes. So very bright, very colorful. Yeah, I, I love them. I'm obsessed with them. And to be honest, they, they do help me a great deal. Um, that's exactly why I'm kind of obsessed with it because I'm like, oh, you know, they, they make me happy. You know, when you find your purpose and then you just feed off of it, it's, it feels so fulfilling. I would love to actually have you run down what different Instagram accounts or projects that you have so that we can start talking about them more specifically. I'll start with the bigger one, actually. I, I never actually planned it, to be honest. It's like I, I mentioned before how I just started embracing Kenya more. But how it came about, Swahili Secrets, was that I was talking about Kenya so much to people that they were just kind of mesmerized, you know? Like if I talk about it, people would be like, okay, what's what's so amazing about Kenya? And in the end, I ended up traveling back to Kenya quite a few times with people. And then I figured, you know what, because I actually studied tourism. That's what I studied in South Africa. And so I decided maybe I could just make this into something, you know, like a travel consulting or travel agency. And so I did do a few trips and I wanted to kind of expand on it just before when I moved to Frankfurt. Unfortunately, travel right now isn't, mm -hmm. yeah, isn't the best. So yeah. um, it kind of didn't work out. However, I'm still going to do it. But yeah, that's basically how Swahili Secrets came about. And, and then on the side of that, because I really enjoy blogging, I then started where we kind of met, African Abroad blog. And this is where I kind of just spread the positivity and bring my culture, teach people about it, for example, in the food. And then I started sewing African fabrics. This actually wasn't the plan again, but I had a lot of fabric and I had a lot of time and I had a sewing machine. <laughs> So Sounds I, like the perfect recipe. <laughs> right? So I just started, I actually just put on YouTube and I was like, okay, I'm going to teach myself how to sew. And then I just ended up from there. And it's so nice because what I find online is that people are super supportive on Instagram. Wow. Like I, I'm pretty amazed the kind of community that you can create. Yeah. Well, and you're, what you're doing is just so good. I mean, of course people are flocking oh. to it, you know? <laughs> yes. Sometimes I, like, I, you know, I live with a lot of, uh, well, I wouldn't say too much self-doubt, but I think a lot of people have it as well. And sometimes I'm like, oh, who's going to believe in this? But somehow people are so intrigued by it and it, it like touches me. And I, I guess people can kind of see that. You know, because I'm expressing a part of me that is so close to me, my heritage, I just feel so strongly for it, that maybe people see that. I'm, I'm really not sure. Yeah, I, I think what you're saying about self-doubt is definitely relevant to the conversation, because I find at least being an expat, there's so much self-doubt yes. in all of the things that you do, even exactly. something as simple as the way you buy groceries or True. the way that you 
I don't know, set up an apartment. Like these things yeah. are just so different culture to culture. And so I'm always asking myself, I'm always doubting myself. Am I doing this? Right. I, you know, right and wrong isn't really appropriate, but am I doing this in a way that makes sense to people around me? And or I'm often told from the people around me that what I'm doing doesn't make sense to them. And so exactly. this element of self-doubt is so natural, but then it does sneak over into projects. And I, yeah, I mean, like if you don't really know the culture or the people that well, because you're an outsider, how can you know if they're going to be interested in what you're offering or not? I think 100%. I can understand where that comes from. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally true. Yeah, I mean, for my podcast, part of the tagline is about sharing stories of expats fitting in and standing out because I think that's it, right? Sometimes we are able to figure out how they do grocery shopping here yeah. and fit in. But in other times, there's things that we do that just we're always going to stand out. So I'm curious with so many moves in your history and so many different places all over three different continents, yeah. how fitting in and standing out has appeared for you. Like, do you remember certain instances in different places where you felt like, oh yeah, I'm totally fitting in here or <laughs> alternatively that you were like, oh God, no, I stink out like a sore thumb. Yeah, <laughs> true. Actually, you know what? I never actually felt it until I came to Germany, to be honest. I think within the other countries that I was in, I adapted quite easily, but I think because it was very similar to how I grew up, maybe not culturally, but in the way that the system works or society, let's say. Because in Germany, I noticed things are, are super strict and there's just really certain ways that you do things that I grew up in Kenya and there is no rule book, let's say, you know. And here I just felt like, wow, you know, people will look at you bad if basically cross the road when it's red. Just simple things like this. Whereas in Kenya, you know, people just let it go if you aren't standing properly in line, for example. It's just these little things. But in Germany, it's very different to what I'm used to. So it was hard to kind of adapt to it because I felt I had to change a lot of things. I ended up changing all of them, but I also felt like I wasn't being myself. So I wasn't standing out. And then I had this kind of like epiphany moment where I then decided to just embrace, you know, my culture and who I am. And so I started walking with more color. Yeah, just pretty much embracing my authenticity. And it's not easy to do because there's also a price to standing out, you know, because you are then being different and people exactly. might say something or look at you weird. But yes. if you can find confidence and comfort in your choice, then that's yes, wonderful. That's true. Yes, it's not it's not easy. I remember um, while I was transitioning, I actually started uh, wearing my African head wraps, for example, and I would get a lot of stares. <laughs> And I was like, wow, you know, like, I'm just being me. But then after some time, I was like, okay, you know what, this is me standing out. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm still obeying the rules here. I'm still doing everything right, respecting the culture. But I'm just going to embrace myself and what I like to do. And hopefully people embrace it with me. And slowly but surely, people did and, and do. Yeah, I think, too, when you are being brave and standing out, to some people, it can be maybe it's shocking because it's just different to yes, them but exactly. a lot of people are so curious to learn about different differences just differences period and so something as as simple to you as wearing a colorful headscarf yeah might be the first time some Germans have ever seen an item yeah. like that you know yeah actually I, I, I get it a lot you know sometimes they'll be staring at it and then I'll stare back <laughs> and then they'll have like a moment where they're like wow that's um very nice what you have Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> How many years have you been in Germany in total now? It's going to go on to five years now. Oh, five. Wow. Yeah. 
Um, actually, four years. I, sorry, I was one year in Austria. Sometimes I confuse the two because they're a little bit similar. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yeah, what was that like for you? I'm, I'm interested because I think if you ask a German, they're like, oh, Austria, totally I different. Know. Yeah, it is actually very different. Uh, it was nice, actually, because I was uh, in a city called Salzburg and it was super pretty. It was like a little fairy tale to me. The mountains and it was also during winter, so a lot of snow. In terms of the culture, super different. I don't know. It was a lot of families where I lived. So it was also hard to adjust because there was no one young, no expats. And I was like, oh my gosh, yeah. this is going to be tough. Well, and then you went to Cologne, you said Cologne. first, right? Oh, so yeah. that's like the exact opposite. Exactly. Of <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been to the States, but I think Cologne to me so far is the German city that feels the most like a gritty American US city. Oh, yeah. Wow. yeah. Yes, no, I really enjoyed Cologne. It's very um, diverse and yeah, I liked it. A lot of fun as well. And when along these four to five years did you start? You said Swahili Secrets was your first account, right? Exactly, yes. I started that maybe, I'd say, two and a half years ago. Yeah, and I kind of started off like as a hobby. So I was building it up slowly. And this was just the Instagram account. And then I ended up building the website. And then I ended up contacting people in Kenya and seeing what I could do in terms of tours. So it built over time. It was never, ever planned, but something was pushing me to the next step. Yeah, so it's been two years and then it's been just about, I guess, more than just a year with the African Abroad blog. Especially with the Swahili secrets and the tours. I mean, it sounds to me like a business. Is that is it fair to categorize it as that or? Um, not just yet, to be honest. Basically, that's what I wanted it to be officially in January while I moved to Frankfurt. I was kind of opting for that. Swahili Secrets in terms of the travel consulting and the travel tours, because Swahili Secrets also has an online shop, which is what I was telling you with the selling of products. But the service itself of tours, no, unfortunately, that's not a running business at the moment because it can't be unfortunately, with all the travel. Before that, I was really pushing myself to try and come up with perfect tours for uh, certain people like myself, you know, young and wanting to explore something new. So yeah, I will still definitely do it. I'm just struggling to see the time right now. <laughs> yeah, it's really tricky to be, I imagine, really tricky to be starting something in the travel yeah. sphere at this moment. Yeah, it's super difficult. And especially when you're starting out yeah, there's so much to take into consideration. So that's kind of how I ended up doing the online store. So instead of doing the travel, I then decided to kind of go with the online store. And is that considered a business? Yes, that is. See, to me, when we were coordinating this interview, I think I referred to you at one point as an entrepreneur. And yeah. um, to me, I did that because from what I can see, it seems like you are in this mindset of, okay, this project that I was planning and starting isn't possible right now. So instead, I'm going to shift gears to this other thing. That's such an entrepreneurial mindset. <laughs> it is actually, you know, it's interesting that you say that because after you asked me that question, another friend of mine who is starting her business reached out to me and she used the same phrase, entrepreneur. And I, I, don't, I don't know, maybe it's just a self, self-doubt thing that I have. Um, but she was like, you know, you have to change your narrative a bit, Tanya. <laughs> I was like, oh, I feel like a person who is an entrepreneur makes lots and lots of money. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> and has all these ideas and just knows exactly what they're doing. But I, I'm still pretty much beginning and I'm kind of like pivoting each way, you know? Oh, but to me, that's maybe this is, again, my American 
background and like startup yeah. culture coming into my mind. But to me, that's so part of it, you know, is a true entrepreneur, not just someone who works in business, but a real entrepreneur is always trying out different things, starting new, new things, pivoting based on the situation yeah. and showing an agility there, a certain yeah. agility to shift gears and make the overall idea work in new formats. So, True. I mean, I'm sold on the term, but I can understand. I mean, it's like a form of imposter syndrome to exactly. start calling yourself it. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually interesting because I have a lot of people who mention imposter syndrome and I'm like, hmm, I, I never understood what it meant. But I think now that you just actually said it, I'm like, huh, maybe that's it. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, it doesn't, if you don't want to identify as an entrepreneur, you don't have to, but I do think it's almost like a term you feel like someone should crown you with, you know, like right. there should be a ceremony in your... <laughs> yeah, no, it's totally true. It's totally true. No, it's it's definitely something. I'm sure at some point I'll, I'll get super comfortable. Well, and as you start up these different ventures, these different projects, I'm wondering what it's like doing that in Germany. Because to me, I when I think of starting a business, I just picture a giant, giant pile of paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, no, it, it really is. And it's, it's very intimidating, to be honest. I think that's also another reason for me to kind of feel a lot of self-doubt, because in the beginning, I was lost. I mean, firstly, it's not just paperwork. It's paperwork in German. Yeah. So uh, and my German is not the best. So I was never really sure if I was doing it right. I still am not sure if I'm doing it 100% right, to be honest. <laughs> so I, I feel, you know, very nervous. Everything I do, I'm always like trying to be as cautious as possible, making sure because, you know, Germany is very strict in my, many ways. You have to make sure you're doing things by the book. And I'm not used to that at all. In Kenya, yeah. there isn't really a system. So doing it in Germany is, is very intimidating. But what helps, though, is having someone that can help you. Have you found that? Have you gotten a sort of mentor? Yes, fortunately. In the beginning, I didn't, but, you know, desperate times. So <laughs> I had to ask for help. And yeah, that, that changed the game quite a bit. So anytime that I need to translate a document, because Germans like to write by or send letters, and in the letters, there's a lot of questions and they need a lot of feedback. <laughs> so yeah, that helps when you have a friend. Is it a friend or is it, are you like you're hiring someone to help you? Oh, um, both. So in the beginning, when I was starting off, I hired, well, I wouldn't say hired, to be honest. I reached out to an agent and they helped me uh, just to understand the legality of how to register and what I need to do, what I don't need to do. After that, I've just been asking a friend to help read the documents to me and what I need to provide and stuff like this. And yeah, that's pretty much how I'm going to go. If I need more strict help, then I'll definitely go to an agent again. Um, other than that, I stick with a friend. Does it ever frustrate you how much paperwork is involved and how many procedures there are? <laughs> I feel like that's a rhetorical <laughs> question. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes, of course. It, it frustrates me in so many ways. You know, there's times just the other day I needed a, a document and I didn't, I couldn't find it. And I file everything. I'm literally putting everything away. And I'm like, where is it? And and I'm like, because I have so many papers, I can't, you know, yeah. control. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're speaking. It's like you glimpsed into my life. I spent Sunday of this last yeah. weekend sitting with 
my binder and I reorganized the whole thing because wow. I kept having this issue. Exactly. <laughs> it's it, and you know you it just keeps piling up. Every little paper you have to make sure you save it because you just you never know when you need it or there might be vital information in it that you that will help mm-hmm. you further along the line. So you're just like keeping everything and you know it's hard because again it's all in German and it's not the easy German. It's uh, yeah. very complicated. It really is. Yeah. I have a friend who is, he's German and he's um, very entrepreneurial and has started a couple companies here. And he really struggled with the paperwork too, even though he's fluent because not only is the language confusing, but the process is confusing. And he kept saying, I mean, a couple of those businesses never ended up going anywhere. And part of the reasoning was just because he couldn't by the time that these were really fresh, uh, current ideas. And by the time the paperwork system had uh, let him through. Not that it was impossible, but just there was so much competition in the field already at that point. And I think that's oh no. maybe one downside of doing this all in Germany is that it's not fast moving. You know, it's not Silicon Valley exactly. <laughs> ready to try any new idea. It's, it's a lot of processing. That's true. Yeah, that's 100%. So when it comes to starting the travel business, I, I really don't know if I'll even end up doing it in Germany, to be honest. I, I'm thinking about that because I'm like... <laughs> Is it worth it? You know, I I think it's going to be too hard. So I, I, I don't know. I'm thinking of other alternatives, for example. I have heard that you can do it in other EU countries, or perhaps I might even do it in Kenya so that it's based there instead. I, I really don't know. If you're looking ahead into the future and you're starting to yeah. plan what you want these businesses to be, I mean, the cool thing, especially for this COVID era, is yeah. that a lot of these businesses are online based. So you exactly. could be very flexible if there's a, I don't know, a global global pandemic. Yeah. But also, <laughs> if you were saying at the beginning, you're someone who has such a thirst to experience new cultures. And so if you did say in two more years, you want to move somewhere else, theoretically, the business could come with you. But exactly. do you, I don't know, do you get any like commitment phobia around setting up a business in Germany because it feels so, so committed then? So yes. solid. Yeah, 100% actually. Um, So the sewing business, this is something that I don't actually want to be full time. I'm doing it now mainly because I I needed something to do and it was just the right timing for it. But it's definitely not something that I want to make full time, nor do I want to actually be a seamstress. I never actually enjoy (laughs) sewing, but I enjoy sharing the fabric and the products. And, you know, I enjoy everything but that. So definitely, I wouldn't want the online store to be a full time thing. But the travel consulting, definitely that I would like to make a full-time job. And I guess it would make sense, if anything, to kind of register in my home country, just because then that's the place I always go back to. It's so tricky to think through these things when you when you have a complicated geographical history, you know? I mean, it's hard enough to start a business anywhere, but with all these different layers of not only practical questions, but also the emotional aspect of it like what does it mean if I start a company here and am I confident enough in my abilities to do this or it's it's so tricky yes that's totally true and and to be honest I'm not even that confident that Germany is going to be the last country I I do wish for stability but I I don't have much confidence that this will be my last uh, country do you have any concrete thoughts about that? Or is it just a feeling at this point? Um, it's just a feeling at this point. No, con- nothing concrete. But I've, I've been feeling this for a little while, to be honest. I don't know if it's something that I'll pursue right away. But just the fact that I'm feeling it means that for sure something is going to happen. And especially as an expat who's moved around so much, if I see, you know, me and my partner see an opportunity somewhere else, we're probably going to jump at that opportunity. 
Yeah. So you have a, a partner too. Uh, yes. That's also an interesting element is, are they German? Um, so he's actually uh, Dutch, uh, but with Moroccan heritage. Okay. So even more countries to throw into the yeah, mix. <laughs> <that's true. laughs> It'll be interesting to see then what the next move ends up being. Yeah, that's true. Uh, to be honest, he hasn't moved around so much, but the fortunate thing is that we both have the same mindset. We are so easygoing that we both would be totally up to to moving. I mean, that's how we both also came to Frankfurt. It was such an easy decision just to make the move. And I think probably in the future it would be the same. What brought you to specifically Cologne and Dusseldorf? Well, actually, I was working in Dusseldorf. And then we actually met in Dusseldorf. We did live not for too long, but we lived for a short period in Dusseldorf and then we moved to Frankfurt. Okay, so you met in Dusseldorf, you moved to Frankfurt, but you're both open to yes. any opportunities across the whole globe, question mark? Yes, <laughs> across the whole globe, totally. Would you ever consider being a digital nomad? What What is a digital nomad exactly? <laughs> so it's uh, this community I, or it's this lifestyle. I'm not sure what to call it exactly, but basically right. people who relocate a lot, you know, not just every five years, but every year or every couple of months, they work fully online. And so the income is coming from a location independent stream. And then they take that opportunity to travel the world and go places based on what visas they cannot get access to and how long they're allowed to stay. That's super interesting. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind being a digital nomad. I never, I always saw the buzzword everywhere. And I'm like, wow, it sounds like because you get to travel, right? And you get to experience new places. But I think stability would be a little bit hard for me because I, even though I travel a lot, I do like to stay in one place for at least more than a few years. <laughs> so maybe I wouldn't be able to do that. But I, I think that's really cool that you can travel independently and not be attached to, to something. Yeah, I imagine though, I, I mean, I have no idea. I've never tried to live like that. And I've also never been a business owner, but I could imagine that the the stress or the the energy that you need to adjust to a new oh, place sure. yes. would, would come in conflict with the energy you need to run a business because it's already pretty overwhelming to do either of those things independently. <laughs> exactly, totally true. Yeah, yeah I, don't I, know. I see a lot of uh, on Instagram, a lot of because it's, it's quite the buzz buzzword, I guess, or it's it's growing a lot. And I'm always seeing through my Instagram what a luxury it is. It seems so nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've actually always been personally really skeptical of it. I, I also find it on on Instagram a lot, but I, I think that's because that's one of the easiest income streams is just post if you if you're in all these really exciting locations and you post a picture and then you can get brand deals and make some money through that which then funds your travel so you know I can understand it but I for me I, I agree I think I need a little bit more stability than the amount of motion and movement that a lot of those people are experiencing but I mean as long as it's working for them then good yeah, on you. true <laughs> exactly as long as you're seeing more places tasting more food have fun <laughs> yeah food being the very exactly very <laughs> totally. <laughs> okay, and with all of the moves that you've had, um, it seems like your strongest sense of home is with Kenya. But do you consider any of the other places also to be a home? No, not really, to be honest. Kenya, mainly actually because I was born there and also because of all the places that we lived with my family, they've actually found base in Kenya. So right now they're all actually retired. My parents, uh, my brother's family is in Kenya. And every time when I go home, I always go back to Kenya. I feel very strong to the towards the country. Um, yeah, so I feel most at home in Kenya. Do you think if you move on from 
Germany after being here for so long, that would be a difficult goodbye? Or do you think that would be an easy goodbye when you move on? From Germany, you mean? Yeah. Um, I really don't know, to be honest. I think it, it wouldn't be so difficult. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine, too, you'd be moving on when you're ready. So Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I definitely, um, you know what, this country has been so good to me. So I definitely would feel sad. But at the same time, I'll be excited to move again. But honestly, being in Germany and I've been here for almost five, well, four years, I said, it's been good. Like the country is good in terms of the system. I find that everything works great. It's I only had a problem with the, the culture that was a little bit hard to adapt to. Other than that, I really enjoy living here. Yeah, as we were saying, it's super frustrating to deal with all of the paperwork to try to start a business and things like that. But at the same time, you do learn certain organizational skills. Like True. I bet you have a wonderfully organized binder of paperwork at this point. <laughs> uh, I wish. <laughs> but again, I'm trying my best though. I am upping my game each time. I'm like, wow, oh my gosh, people are so organized here. You know, everyone's on time with everything and changed quite a bit from the person that I was. And it's thanks to the way that things work here. Yeah, I remember I showed up to my first appointment at the foreigner's office with the paperwork I needed just kind of shoved into my backpack and I took it out and handed it to them. And that was very clear to me that although the paperwork was okay, the manner in which I carried it was not. <laughs> and so over time, I've also, you know, then I was like, okay, fine. And I got a binder, but I just put post-its on the on the end to show which page was what. And then I said just now this last weekend, I, I upgraded it to having formal dividers, not just a post-it, yes. but real cardboard dividers. Right? <laughs> it does feel good. As much as I roll my eyes at it sometimes, I'm, I'm really grateful to Germany to for teaching me things like it's that because I'm not naturally that way so yeah I agree completely I feel the same it's also like uh, when you're searching for apartment it feels like a like you're applying for a job almost so you kind of get ev all your papers in check as well yeah yeah it's so true yeah I've heard even some apartments genuinely they ask for a CV as if it was <laughs> yeah they ask, yeah some 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 do ask for a lot it's wild, but yeah, but we're all learning from it and exactly. we're better for it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, with that, we're going to round the corner and head to home with the ending segment, which is called Zack, Zack, Zack. So it's a rapid fire question round. I'm going to ask you three questions that you're going to answer without thinking it, overthinking it. Just go with your gut. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. What is your personal favorite time of year to go home and visit Kenya? Oh, definitely when it's winter in Germany <laughs> and it's fire hot in Kenya. That sounds like a very good idea, especially as we're sitting in darkness at 5 p.m. in the German winter. <laughs> exactly. If you could take a gap year in one other country and all of the logistics of life were ignored, it was just anywhere, it would be simple. Where would you choose? Oh, I'd say Thailand, but, that, you know, I'm being a little bit biased because I really enjoyed my time there. So I'd probably go back and the food again. Sorry to sp speak about food all the time, but Thai food is so delicious. Okay, wonderful. And finally, other than your personal belongings and lampshades, for instance, <laughs> what is one thing that when you go back and visit Kenya, you like to pack in your suitcase and bring with you? Maybe a favorite snack or a seasoning or an item that you just can't get anywhere else? Uh, yeah, well, I actually do it for my brother's sake. He loves Leberwurst. I, I personally don't like it, but he loves it. <laughs> so you bring that down to him? All the time. He's like, oh my gosh, my favorite. And I'm like, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, those are your XXX. 
Tanya, we talked so much about your awesome projects, and I'm sure listeners are going to be eager to check them out if they don't already follow you. So where can people find Swahili Secrets, African Abroad, all of these different projects? So I have the website, www.swahilisecrets.com, but also I'm very present on Instagram. So African Abroad blog and Swahili Secrets on Instagram. Awesome. We will link to those in the show notes. Tanya, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was really nice to get to talk to you. Yeah, this was so much fun. Thank you so, so much. Thanks again to Tanya for coming onto the show. We actually recorded that episode a couple months ago back in fall. Since then, Tanya has another move more concretely planned now. She mentioned that she had the itch in the interview. Well, now it's becoming actualized. So if you want to follow along as her expat journey continues, you can do that at Swahili Secrets on Instagram or at African Abroad Blog. I will link to both of those as well as her website in the show notes. As always, you can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at The Expatcast, and you can visit me online at theexpatcast.com. Thanks, as always, goes to Amy Lungi Art for the logo and Side Hug for the theme music. They're on Instagram at a hug from the side. On Thursday, I'll be back in your feeds with an episode about getting your driver's license in Germany. Until then, have a wonderful week. Stay healthy and stay safe. This done. Tschüss.